hello everyone and welcome to the Brawler Rays podcast. Uh, on today's episode, we have a, a very special guest, Miss um, Gina. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Gina? Hey, I'm Gina. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, what's, what's your last name, Gina? What's your last oh yeah, Gina Malangos. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't do this often, as you can you see. <laughs> I feel like you should know how to introduce yourself to like a group of people in general, yeah, though. That's true. <laughs> uh, so Gina and I have known each other almost two years now. We're coming up on yep. two years here. Uh, so we're both part of uh, the Caterpillar Leadership and Technical Development Program. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, but Gina and I met each other at orientation when we started the program. And I thought it'd be really cool to have her on just because uh, she's an interesting person, or at least that's what I had to say to get her on the show. At least that's what I had to say. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah. Gina, why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about kind of your background, uh, you know, what's home for you, and just let everyone get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah, of course. So, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, um, and it's ever since I graduated high school, I would say my home has changed dramatically since then. Um, I went to school at the University of Rochester in upstate New York. So I was there for four years, studied mechanical engineering, and I also minored in Spanish. And then after that, due to the LTDP program, I've been able to travel and such. Uh, so I've been in Peoria for the past, it's going to be two years. And then I just got word my last rotation will be in Lafayette, Indiana. So never expected to be in the Midwest. I've always thought I was gonna end up in Texas or the West Coast, but honestly, it's been a thrill. Uh, you know, changing my home and such because it's just cool to like see the world and everything. So very, very happy about that. Cool. So is all your family still in Texas and everything like that? Yep. You're in Dallas? Yep. So I'm the oldest of three. So my sister's eight and my brother's 18. So they're still at home. Um, but soon my brother will be in DC for college. So cool. So, mm-hmm. so you, you, you spent all your time in you know, growing up in Dallas, so what kind of motivated you to, to, you know, go all the way up to upstate New York for college? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was kind of weird. Uh, I've always loved traveling. I think I've had that travel bug since I was young. My dad was a business owner for the majority of my life, so we would travel all around the Southwest Belt to Arizona or Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, all these random states. Uh, at the bottom of the U.S. And ever since then, I just loved exploring and meeting new people. And it was just a norm for me to not be in Texas every weekend. Um, Since then, I started traveling for summer camps. So I was in North Carolina, California, uh, got the privilege to study abroad where I went to six different countries. So I've always had that travel bug. But what originally got me into applying to schools out of state was I've always been that kind of person that had a growth mindset and I wanted to really grow myself in different ways. And I felt that at the time I was very, I would say, naive and um, in my own little bubble and I didn't know that much about the world. And um, and I kind of recognized that when I went to summer camps at California and North Carolina I just felt like I didn't have a really I would say mindset that knew that much about the world so I wanted to expand that and I thought okay I want to go to California and I applied and it's funny because this happened after graduation I applied to so many schools in California uh, either I didn't get accepted or I got waitlisted, whatever the fact was, I just didn't go to California. So I did apply to some schools in the East Coast and Rochester was one of my top ones. So that's how I went to Rochester. And I really liked the curriculum there. Um, It's an open curriculum where if you knew you wanted to study engineering, that's what you're basically focusing on. And say uh, you didn't like the humanities as much, you don't have to take um those kind of classes uh you just took courses that you're most mostly passionate about so i didn't really take any courses about psychology or history because i knew i wanted to study engineering so i fulfilled uh my education with other things that i felt made me a well 
rounded person. So I really like that about Rochester. That's cool. You know, it's uh, that's that's great that you kind of had that that you know upbringing to a certain extent where your parents were very open to you kind of seeing things outside of you know your zip code mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I think I knew a lot of people, especially in Texas. I think the thing that I always heard was like, "Well, Texas is so big, you don't have to leave the state to like go to college just because there's so many options." Mind you, I stayed in the state for college, but still not the point, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's really cool, though. So you studied uh, mechanical there, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of helped you pick out pick mechanical engineering specifically? I would say, um, so the I guess the reason why I even wanted to go into engineering was uh, back in sixth grade. I had a lot of projects, a lot of extra things that you can do outside of math class for extra credit. And oh, there was a lot of engineering clubs and projects that you can do outside of that. And I didn't know at the time what I was doing, like all these problem solving, all these STEM related activities. I didn't know that was engineering. Like it just, my parents didn't go to college. They didn't know anybody that was an engineer. So I was just doing it for fun. And then uh, as I got older and I knew what engineering was, I felt that mechanical was very broad and you can go into a lot of different fields with it. Um, a lot of everyday things that you use um, is me- you know, mechanical. So I felt that was a great fit for me and what I wanted to do in my career. Now that, that's cool, yeah. No, so uh, you said you, know, you kind of realized that you were doing engineering at some point, right? Mm-hmm. You were interested in that. Uh, like how did how did you figure that out? Was it just looking up stuff online, or did someone introduce that idea to you, or how did that go? I, yeah, I think I basically I owe it to one of my teachers. Um, she was Miss Shear, so she was my sixth grade or middle school math teacher basically, and she just uh, would tell me, "Oh, there's this engineering pro or thing, 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 whatever," and I would go every weekend to our local university and do all these things, and then. She said, I'm going to open up a class called Engineering 101. And I thought, okay, like, let's let's do it. And that's when she basically introduced more about the disciplines, um, different aspects of engineering. And yeah, that's when I knew, oh, that's something that I see myself doing in the future. Uh, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's awesome that you had a kind of a teacher you know right in that middle school range you know where mm-hmm. that's kind of where you're really starting to figure out what you generally like in school you don't like and that, that there was someone there that was kind of there to encourage you because in general people don't always get that you know right yeah for sure so you know you're, you're you uh you know you've you've made your way you know in your story here you've made your way to rochester all the way in upstate new york uh, pretty pretty far away from Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never been to Rochester, but probably very different than Dallas in general. Very cold. <laughs> yeah, very very cold. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. The winters didn't discourage you. <laughs> so it's weird. <laughs> Again, like I feel, uh, I think my life. Well, my life motto has always been things happen for a reason. And so when I was applying to Rochester, I did do an overnight stay there with one of my best friends. And I went in November, and during that time, it wasn't that cold. It was well, it was cold for us Texans, but it was maybe 35, 40 degrees, and I forgot what the wind was like. But it was freezing, and I told myself and my best friend, "I'm never coming here." <laughs> but after after being there the whole weekend, I met a lot of the students and how well-rounded they were and stuff, and um, just the education and curriculum. I really got you know intrigued and stuff mm-hmm. and upstate new york i feel like it's a is a underrated area look up on upstate new york and especially during the fall the leaves are awesome the trails are awesome and it just looks beautiful even in the winter um the thing i want to know is when i moved to the midwest it is colder here for sure there's less snowfall really? But there's, it's colder here. And I think it's just, there's so much wind versus in Rochester, there wasn't as much. I, I get that. Because it's like over in, in like the Midwest, it's just so flat. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's just super flat. So it's just super windy. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, well, that's well, that's cool. So, you know, you're in this new new uh, new city, new state, uh, whole new environment. So what are some things that you kind of did to kind of adjust? Did you get involved with any uh, organizations or anything like that? Yeah, so 
I would say right off the bat, you know, as a freshman in college, I try to meet my, my people and such. So I was fortunate where I was in the early connection program. So it's a bridge program for, I would say students that probably came from like low income uh, families, didn't have the educational opportunities growing up and such. So it was a, I think it was 60 of us. So it's students from all over the country, um, come together and also the world come together and we take college classes together like your basic math and writing so it was going to prepare us for our freshman year so it was really nice because I was already able to go to campus one month before we started so I was able to see the campus more and where everything was the resources and also meet a good group of friends so I would say a good uh, foundations of friends I've gathered from that group um, and I'm still friends with them till this day so I was fortunate for that and so whenever I started um, at Rochester I as I said I, I knew I wanted to study engineering so that's how I came aware of the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers so at the time it wasn't active at the at Rochester I actually came like my cousin, who's um, a great influence in my life, she told me about it. Um, once I told her I wasn't really involved in as many organizations my first semester of freshman year, she said, hey, have you ever heard of Shep? And I said, no, what is that? So uh, she told me a little bit about it and such. So I looked it up on Google and I looked it up in our school directory and stuff and I couldn't find it. Well, I, I saw that it was inactive. So me being nosy, I started emailing everybody and asking the people that were in charge of it at the time, hey, when are your meetings and stuff? And then that's when they said, well, we actually haven't done much, but we'll host like a meeting or something to see if people are still interested. Mm -hmm. So I got all my engineering friends that were Hispanic and told them, hey, come with me to this meeting thing. And they're like, okay, Gina, you're crazy. I don't know what this is. I'm like, I don't know either let's just figure it out so that kind of sparked i would say the re-establishment of our chapter so it was a group of me and four other friends who were freshmen engineers and we just saw the opportunity that this uh, organization had um, so that first year we didn't go to a conference but after the second year um, i was the conference coordinator and so at that time it was in Seattle so I got I fundraised enough money to get myself and nine other friends to come from Rochester to Seattle and after that it just went up from there we just got excited got motivated and yeah that's how we met a lot of great other students from different places and got our interviews so it was really really fun doing it with my really good friends um, getting that community and stuff so that's cool yeah. how many people did you take that that first year when you went to conference it was about nine other people so it was basically the whole chapter at that time <laughs> yeah that's, that's cool though you know all you guys are kind of starting something together and doing it all the time and then you get to kind of you know see it i think when you're part of any organization but especially something like shep like going to the conferences is really how you kind of get a, a hang of what it's really all about and yeah like said, meeting other people and all that stuff yeah, it was really fun. Yep. That's cool. Well, uh, so when you were in that, did, I guess where, you know, you mentioned you were kind of the conference coordinator and stuff like that. Did you mm -hmm. ever have any other roles besides that? Yeah. After that, I um, became the president for the chapter. And it was kind of weird because um, I actually was during election time in the spring of 2017, I actually was studying abroad in Spain. So... I was still trying to be, you know, taking part of that whole thing and such. Um, so one of my good friends was the president at the time when I was studying abroad. And so I would just give her suggestions, try to be a part of it, even from far away. And then when elections came, I kind of got nervous because I thought, OK, well, people probably forgot about me since I've been gone. I don't know, like all these new members, they don't know who I am. So I try to really make a presence in my uh, elect election and such um get my good friend to talk for me and stuff and i got it um and then since then 
I was the president and stuff. So it was it was really nice that I was able to do that and you know make that difference and such. That's cool. So what kind of motivated you specifically to, to, to try to be president? I think the fact that um, I was one of the, I guess, starters from the org and I knew the potential that we could get to with our chapter and um, really speak about my experience and such to other potential members. And yeah, like I knew all, a lot about the conference and the logistics I had gone to nila which i know you're familiar with and yeah i just felt like i had that experience to be able to lead other people um to their fullest potential yeah no that, that's cool and that, i think that's great i think with with anything with leadership i think it's it, it's to, to a certain extent about vision you know you see something how it is today but at the end of it you want it to get to point b wherever that might be in the future and that's yeah. really cool that you felt you know especially being one of the people that helped restart this chapter up, uh, you wanted to play like a role in that, and not just kind of you know wait for somebody else to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you're you know so you're. president now and that kind of stuff. So that's you were chapter president, I guess. Was that your last year in college? Yeah, my senior year. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So you went to conference that year in trying to remember after seattle where was it <laughs> oh uh, kansas city i think yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah no yeah i was there too we were we were at the same yeah. thing us with like five thousand other people you know right <laughs> um so uh so you know we're, what were you what were your what was your kind of thought process going into that conference obviously it's your last chef national before you graduate and you're probably looking for an adult job at that point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. So I, so leading up or throughout my whole college career, I would say my first summer before sophomore year, I didn't get an internship. So I stayed back in Dallas and I took some summer classes to get ahead. The year after, um, I my fr- one of my good friends had introduced me to Inroads. So it's basically an internship program. And that's how I got my first internship. And that was with the Otis Elevator Company. Um, so I was helping with new projects on that. And that's when I knew in that internship that one, I want to be in a, I would say, engineering job that was very collaborative and like I can be more outspoken. But I also wanted to be on the field. So I got a lot of exposure to that in my first internship where I would go to a lot of uh, major projects in Dallas. So I was very excited. So I'm such a Toyota fan. (laughs) And we went to the Toyota North America headquarters in Dallas. And so I was there from the start when they were putting everything together and and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this is so fun seeing everything come together and seeing all these different disciplines, um, you know, make this work and stuff. After that, I continued working with the parent company United Technologies and then I started working with the carrier corporation so they make air conditioners and that's where I was introduced to more manufacturing so I was a manufacturing engineering intern and that was pretty fun seeing all the processes and the different um, equipment and stuff and working with the operators uh, so like throughout I would say when I was at SHIP I it was kind of weird because I was still interviewing but in the back of my head, I thought, well, I kind of already have an internship lined up, but I still wanted to see what else was there to offer. Um, what I also liked about Shep is that they have a lot of workshops uh, for development. So whether resume building, building your network or whatever the case is, I really liked going to those a lot. I also took that time to help the younger members with their resumes and their interviews. So. Um, I still was looking for internships, but I still was, you know, trying to be that president during that time since I had that ability um, with my time. So, yeah. There's a, a mixed bag of a lot of things. That's usually how it goes when you're in leadership and going to some of those things. You got to you know, take care of yourself, but also take care of the pe- other people around you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so, so that's cool. So, um, you know, I also talked about kind of the, the stuff you've gone through in college and everything like that. 
Um, so it was just for, I guess, because I'm, I'm just for, for clarification. So for that conference in Kansas City, uh, that was the one before you graduated, right? Or, or yes, was... yes, the f it was the fall before. It was the fall okay. senior year. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So. Um, I guess, what, what were you thinking, you know, for full-time then? Specifically? So I kind of figured I was going to work for Carrier as full-time. Okay. So that was at Memphis, Tennessee. But I'll be honest, I think with anybody going into their career, really, as an, as an intern, like, make sure you feel comfortable wherever you are. I know that's very cliche and kind of obvious, but I did not feel comfortable in my internship. I just felt, well, I knew coming into STEM as a female was already going to be difficult, but I know so many other companies that don't make you feel that much of an outsider at all. And I really felt like an outsider at my internship. Um, so, Whenever I was still actively applying because I wasn't really I going to accept that offer. So at the time, I was applying to so many different companies. And again, I was applying to companies in Texas, uh, in California, hoping I was going to end up in California. Like still to this day, I, I want to make it to the West Coast. Yeah. One day. Uh, one day. One day. Um, and so during that time, I... So throughout the whole time I was in college, I'm not going to lie, Caterpillar has always been one of my top companies that I loved. Um, every time I would go to the career booth at Shep, I just liked the people that were there. They just felt like a family and stuff and liked their values and everything they stood for. But I always, I guess, underestimated my ability and I thought, okay, they're never going to hire me or whatever. So when I was applying to jobs my senior year I was in a freshman class because I thought it was a good uh way for me to apply to jobs so basically it's it was called our writing 175 class or something and it was just for you to um it was focused on engineer engineers um on writing your resume your cover letter all that stuff so I thought okay I know it's a freshman class but when I was freshman they didn't have this available so I'm gonna take it it's gonna motivate me to apply to jobs so during that class, they had asked, okay, you need to apply to a company and you have to present it in front of the class. And so at the time I had applied to the LTDP program um, in October and I didn't think much of it. Like, honestly, I just thought, okay, I'm just doing this to apply to get an A, whatever. <laughs> um, and this was, I think a month before the conference. And it was just funny because I, I was just presenting in front of my classmates, whatever. And then if I didn't get my interview right away. I got my interview, I think in February or Jan no, January. And when they called me, hey, do you want to interview for Caterpillar? I thought, okay, they're insane, right? So I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to interview. It went fine. And then they asked me to interview again. I thought, okay, they're just... I don't know. <laughs> they just probably need numbers. I don't know. And then uh, that went pretty good. And then when I got my offer right away, I thought, wow, this is insane. Um, and I really, it's weird because the reason I even chose the LTDP program is because you get three different jobs. You get to uh, go in different fields or parts of the company, uh, see how the enterprise works all together. And I just really like that rather than have been, you know, working as a manufacturing engineer for, I don't know how many years in a company that didn't appreciate me as much. Uh, I just didn't feel comfortable. And so when I got into Caterpillar, I just felt like, you know, I had that community. I had that support and stuff. And I was able to really show everyone what I'm capable of of and it's it was kind of scary I'm not gonna lie when I first got into my uh, role I was a category buyer in my first rotation I just got overwhelmed at first because in the first I feel like with LTDPs they they really set the bar high they want you to be the next leader and such so I think the first week or the second week I had to talk to um, a guy twice my age who was the president of a forging company 
and tell him how to run his business. And I thought, okay, I am 20, I'm straight out of college, telling him how to, if he should be increasing his manpower, if he should be, um, you know, making our forgings for this thing or whatever. And I thought that was just crazy and awesome that I am able to do that at such a young age and, and stuff. So I really, I really like that. No, yeah, that's that's really cool. And I guess just to just to back up a bit, so uh, I guess could, could you just so everyone listening kind of understand? Could you explain kind of uh, what you know what the nature of the program is and how it works and everything like that for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, as Brawler said, the LTDP program stands for the Leadership Technical Development Program. So there's three different tracks. There's operations, supply chain, and procurement. So I just happen to be in the procurement side. So what that means, I just deal with a lot of suppliers. Um, so depending on which track you're in, um, you have to do at least two rotations in whatever track you're specifically in, and then you do a cross-functional one. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it. No, yeah, and I, I think it's just kind of the uh, the big thing I remember for me that stood out when I'm hearing about rotational programs in general is mm-hmm. you don't really know exactly where you're going to be every year, too. Yeah, like, it's kind of scary about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, when I got my offer, similar story, similar reaction. I was like, really? Like, okay, because like, it happened pretty quick for me, too. I uh, was like, okay, and like, you know, you have your friends asking, like, oh, well, where are you going to be now? It's like, well, I'm working for Caterpillar. It's like, whoa, yeah, but where? And it's like, I, I don't know yet. And it's like... <laughs> oh, okay, and then, like, where are your other rotations going to be? It's like, oh, I, I don't know that either. And, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of things that go into that and business need and everything like that. Yeah. So there's, there's good reason why you, they can't guarantee you something, but uh, they're definitely upfront about it for sure. But, but no, that's, that's really cool, though, that you kind of, um, you know, I, I, I actually did, you know, an internship. I, I don't know if I tell you this, with, with United Technologies that back when it was, like, aerospace systems now, Mm-hmm. Like they're like swallowed up like two other companies and merged. Right. Them. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how like it grows so quickly. But uh, but yeah, so I, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you kind of had that experience where you did. But um, you know, I, I'm glad that you kind of found a, a better fit overall. It seems like and uh, and everything like that. So um, you know, you you mentioned your first role as a, a category buyer. I guess could you can you walk kind of walk through because uh, you know w- what that is and I guess I guess even before that. Uh, you know, you, you did mechanical engineering. Did, mm-hmm. did you ever see yourself, you know, being a buyer, which isn't, you know, a very technical role? Uh, no, actually, I didn't really know what a buyer really entailed. Um, so I was a direct buyer. So there's indirect. So you deal with mostly with anything that doesn't isn't really needed on a machine versus I dealt with direct uh, stuff. So. I dealt with rough forging, so I would say to some extent you do need to have some technical background and such. Um, So basically what a buyer is, is having that relationship with suppliers, that commercial relationship. So you're focusing on, are you choosing the right supplier for that right category of stuff that you're buying? Uh, Is their quality good? Is their shipping performance well? Do they have the best cost um, overall? Are they a good business partner to have? So I felt kind of cool about it because um, if I wasn't studying engineering, I would have studied business. And I felt like in this rotation in particular, I was basically like a business owner. I had all these suppliers and I knew the capabilities of each one and I knew the people that represented each one and what their strengths were and the weaknesses so whenever a new uh product was coming in from the design engineering team uh they would just ask like Gina who do you think would be the best supplier for this part and I already knew um what equipment each one had and what they're able to do so it was pretty cool having that relationship and and I felt that even if, although it was a business type of relationship, I also was able to gain personal uh, connections with these people as well. Um, I would still talk to them about other stuff outside of work. And it was just a great opportunity to gain that network outside of Caterpillar and uh, travel a lot. I traveled so much to Milwaukee and Ohio and, su- and stuff like that. 
I was so close to traveling to Mexico for one week, but that didn't work out. But it was just like uh, just maintaining that relationship with the supplier. Although I didn't use my mechanical engineering background, I still was able to use some forms a bit of it, like print reading, um, also metallurgy and stuff like that. So I would I wouldn't say totally went to waste during that rotation, but I mean, um, that's what it is having that business okay. background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think that's a uh, it's a good way to put it. It's like I think you know some of the just general technical knowledge you knew about was helpful but uh it definitely sounds like some of the uh kind of the interpersonal stuff and the soft skills that you learned through through being like a president and just being you know involved in different things helped you with that kind of stuff because uh uh, even in with my roles it's like yeah like you can be the smartest person in the room but like if you don't know how to talk to people and how to communicate yeah exactly doesn't matter right so, so you did that role for a year, and you were you were in Peoria for that. Yes, I was. Yeah, uh, Mossville, North Peoria, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> for, for anyone that is not in Peoria, that's, right? Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I cool. did not know where Peoria was on the map. I remember when I uh, got told I was going to be in Peoria. I was just excited. I was working for Cat, and then I would tell everybody, "I'm going to Peoria." They're like, "Where is that?" I'm like, "I don't even know, but we're <laughs> gonna figure it out." <laughs> It, that's that's why you got Google Maps. That's why you got right. Google Maps, right? All right. So so you did that for your first year, and now uh, you're in your second rotation. So I want to talk a little bit about that and what you're doing there. Yeah. So I'm now a supply quality engineer. So uh, still dealing with suppliers. So it's really nice because I'm basically working on the quality aspect of it from a site perspective. Uh, so I'm in East Peoria, which is where we make our tractors, our medium and large. Uh, so I deal with light fabrication. So anything that's pretty much a quarter inch to, I would say two inch thick. Um, and yeah, so that's radiator guards, fenders, tanks, all, all that stuff. So it's pretty, pretty fun. Very fast pace can get overwhelming. I'll be honest with quality. Um, so I would say the, the thing I like about this one is that I'm really using more of my technical expertise on this. Um, so just understanding more about the prints and the specifications and what caused a certain defect to happen. Uh, so one day I can be, uh, working with a design engineer on what they should be changing to their engineering print for a fender. Another day I can be on top of a tractor doing a paint adhesion test. Um, like it just varies day to day and it's pretty pretty fun uh, very fast paced because i'm basically um that person protecting the line making sure that everything's running smoothly there's not any defects so pretty cool yeah and in this case too it's um just to be clear you're you're like in a factory not just in an yes. office yes yeah i think that for sure was a major difference from my first rotation and my second rotation. I think as a buyer, you're more laid back. You're in an office setting. You're just talking to everybody from your desk. Mm-hmm. Versus in this rotation, I uh, work in two different buildings. Uh, I work with a lot of different uh, design engineers from all across, uh, you know, Caterpillar. Um, you know, these tractors are made in Brazil, Thailand, uh, North America in general. So it's pretty cool because I'm always going in different places, meeting different people. Um, so where I sit, I sit where they make our sub-assemblies. And then the other building that I go to is where we put everything together for the tractor. And that's um, SS or building SS. So it's pretty, pretty cool. It's more fast paced. So, and I'm never, sometimes I'm never at my desk. I remember one time I was at the factory at 6am on the dot and did not sit down until 2pm that afternoon. And I get my steps in. Uh, so <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty fun if you like that type of environment. Yeah, and I think the thing that's pretty cool, I think to, to kind of be self-aware about it is like, you know, you're able to have two very different experiences and work environment and all this stuff 
um, you know, at the same company, in the same program. Um, and I think, you know, if you're not aware of the, these kinds of programs, because a lot of organizations do have them and they're all um, uh, have their value to them for sure. So that, that's pretty cool, though. They kind of had these two very, very different kinds of things. So uh, what are you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you've kind of found out where your next rotation is going to be. So uh, you want to talk a little about what that is and if what, if anything, you know about it? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I found out, I think, two weeks ago where I was going. So I'm going to Lafayette, Indiana. So I'm very excited because, as Braulio said, you never know where you're going next. And um, I didn't. So I've been in mining for the last years. So now I'll be in energy and transportation. So I'll be working with our large engines at the Lafayette facility. So I'm super excited to just be around a different product. Um, and yeah, so I'll be a manufacturing engineer for our 3,500 heads. Um, so it's like a machine area. And so I'm never really experienced that much with machine shops. So that will be different. Um, and yeah, I mean, I work with manufacturing engineers in my current role, so I have an idea, obviously, what that is and from my internships, but never being one before, it's going to be a challenge, not going to lie, so I'm excited for that. No, no that's pretty cool, yeah, and obviously, uh, you won't really know until you get there kind of thing, but that's yeah. kind of cool that you, uh, you're getting this other different role, even though, you know, for sure right now you're getting some... Um, experience on the shop floor supporting that and everything like that you know my role right now is an me a manufacturing engineer and uh it's a it's its own thing you know for sure just because you're <laughs> yeah. you're, you're a process owner it is it, it's kind of like a lot of stuff you mentioned that you're going to be working with a lot of different kinds of people in a lot of different kinds of roles and everyone has their own schedule and you just have to figure out how to get your job done with everyone else's things going on too right mm-hmm. no but but that that's awesome though so um, kind of, you know, kind of big picture now thinking about it, like, Hey, you know, you're, you're in this rotational program with Caterpillar a company you've been interested in for a while now. Um, so what, what do you, you kind of see yourself doing uh, after the program? That's an interesting question because I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know. <laughs> I know for sure. I want to work in a, in a type of position where I'm not always, um, at the desk. I can be in a different environment. I'm in a role that's collaborative, but in, in the sense of, do I want to be an ME? Do I want to work in quality? I'm not sure right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of doing rotations like this is that you already know what you like and, or you're gaining what you do like and what you don't like. Mm-hmm. So I knew for my first rotation, I did not like being like at a desk, at a cubicle for eight hours a day. That's just not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then in this role, I really liked being on a factory and stuff, but I'm not sure if quality is my calling for now, but it's something very interesting and never would have thought I would experience that. So that's a possibility for sure. Um, so right now, I don't know. Do you know for oh, yourself? No, no idea. No, no, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm thinking about this most days now. You know, it's like, you know, both, both you and I are kind of heading into that third rotation. And after this, we... We kind of, we basically have a year to start figuring out what we want to do. At least yeah, after. it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you feel the same way, but in the LTDP program, I just feel like because it's more, I mean, it's kind of structured, you know, you're going to have a different job after a year, um, may not know where the location is, but mm-hmm. I feel after this program, I'm officially growing up, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just feel like. Yeah. After this is done, you're pretty much going to stay in a position for at least two years. Yeah. And we're so used to moving every year. So I know for sure it's going to be different. And yeah, that's when I feel like I for sure have adulted. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I, The way I describe it to people that, you know, I'm trying to explain how the rotations are and everything like that. It's like, honestly, it's like a long internship with really high expectations. <laughs> Wait, like, that's, that's a good way to put it. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what it is. It's like obviously, you know, hey, you're, 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 you're there and you're a member of the team and all that stuff. But they know you're gonna be gone in about a year, right? It's just mm-hmm. about getting the most you can out of it and being able to contribute as much as you can. And it's different because it's like, I think especially that first year, you're just kind of trying to like figure out the whole caterpillar world and figure out what's happening. And that, for that sure, just takes a while to get used to this other level. Even if you know you did internships and I did the same thing and. 
even if you intern, it, there is a different level of expectation once you get to be a full-time, right? That's yeah. Because you're there longer. That's just by the nature of it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I like about Caterpillar. And I don't know if it's just my experience. Like, as an intern, like, I did do a lot of valuable stuff. But, like, um, a lot of people I work with are, you know, have been at Caterpillar for more than I have been alive. And I just feel honored that I'm able to, you know, do things and they trust me with a lot of things. And sometimes like, oh, my gosh, they trust me with so much. <laughs> um, but it's a good thing, you know, we're yeah. learning. But no, it's it's been a, a good roller coaster ride. Um, I'm excited for where it takes us next. Yeah, no, and I, I, the, the one that always gets me is like when you're like working somebody that's like a third generation cat employee. Like yeah. Their parents were it, and then their grandparents also were at the Caterpillar, and like especially I think if you're like in Illinois, you have a, a higher likelihood of running into those people just because you know cats been in Illinois forever. Mm -hmm. um, but I always think that one's pretty interesting too. But yeah, no, it's 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 a. Uh, what they just announced like what we're on 95 years right i think we're yeah i mean you probably know more than i do on the history <laughs> the other day so we're making it's really cool we're making a black tractor and i thought it was for a customer um and it was for some other anniversary of elevated sprockets that we've made and uh tractors and like oh see i'm not the best caterpillar <laughs> I try to be a really good advocate, but I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's a, there's a, we make a lot of different things, and we've been doing it for a long time. It's hard to keep keep up with everything. Right. right? No, yeah. well, that, well, that's good, though, that you've kind of had this, you know, you're getting this experience, and it's diverse for you, and mm -hmm. it's kind of what you were looking for, you know, I think from, yeah. the, from the start, you were saying, hey, you, you wanted to try different things, you wanted to get yourself out there, and that's definitely what, what you're doing here, and... Um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned uh, earlier with your, your internship, you know, you had some kind of uh, challenges associated with that. But, you know, what, you know, what, what kind of challenges have you had, you know, now that you've been, you know, a full time uh, in any aspect, really? And, you know, it can be adjusting to, to work or anything like that. I think uh, for sure when I first started off was adjusting to the work life balance and setting limits. I think, uh, at least for me, whenever I first started, I wanted to give it my all all the time. Like, you know, always, obviously give your all, but there's limits and your health is the most important thing. And I think when I first started off, I'm like, well, I'm young. I don't have a family. I'm going to be working so much. I'll be working on the weekends. And that's not cool. <laughs> that was just an expectation that I had for myself. And, um, I started learning, okay, well, I need to set my boundaries. I need to really hone in and understand, okay, what do I, sh what should I be doing for my health? Um, so that was a big challenge for me, understanding the work-life balance. And I'm still trying to figure that out, but I've gotten better at it over time. Mm -hmm. And I would say work challenges, I mean, I w there's not one that really strikes out at me. There's going to be challenges every single day with different projects, but um, I think I've been very uh, grateful for the teams that I've been in, and they understand that I, I may not have the backgrounds for some things. So helping me with that, that's pretty cool, for sure. And, and I think especially the the work life balance thing for for young professionals is kind of a it's a transition point for real. For sure. Because it's yeah. like you're going from school where like there's a de definite endpoint. There's a test. There's at the end of a semester, quarter, whatever the case may be. So like you can you can kind of push yourself to like a uh, a limit that you normally wouldn't. And like you know it's gonna be over. But like with work, it's always gonna keep going. You yeah, know? That's, that's like the nature of it. It's uh um you know early on someone told me you know work is it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know if you are pushing yourself working 68 hour 80 hour weeks you know for two three weeks it's not all of a sudden gonna stop and then you can recover no like you yeah. gotta keep you gotta keep doing stuff you know that's, that's just how it works yeah i i know early on in my career somebody told me um and i mean there's like a a limit i guess like you always want to give your 100 percent for sure but uh whenever i was very drowned with a lot of stuff um my my friends would tell me the more you give in, the more they'll give you. So, you know, try to limit yourself. And that's what I, it really struck me is that, um, you want to maintain that healthy relationship with yourself. And I remember, 
my first year um i was at starbucks for a week straight working on some project like i did not have to get it done in that week i could have waited i could have done it throughout the month but my expectations were so high that i just wanted to work all the time and that was not good so i really have changed dramatically from that moment um so I just after a certain time I'm like okay I'm going to go home you need to go home and do stuff right Yeah and and I think the thing along with that too it's like again like taking the example of studying for a test like yeah like in school if you put in more hours and you're going over more examples and doing this and that like that's productive you know to to figure out what you're doing for this test but like in work oftentimes the thing that's going to really help you stand out or be a you know an, an overachiever isn't gonna be the hours that you put in it's yeah. the output that you come out like i i think that the first time i heard this i thought it was rude but it's like oh it doesn't matter if you're working eight hours a week if someone can do that same exact thing in 40 mm -hmm. hours like doesn't matter you know that's the the output is the biggest thing that matters because results are what matter at the end of the day yep exactly but yeah no, well that's really good though that you kind of you're, you're, you're starting to get better at it and you're improving on it and being self-aware about it's such a big part of it too you know mm-hmm so, uh, yeah, now that we've kind of, you know, gone over, you know, where you're at up, up until this point with your, with your career and everything like that, um, and you, we kind of mentioned it, you know, setting, you know, talking about work-life balance. Uh, so, so what are some things you like doing now outside of work? Yeah, so I've always been, uh, I guess, a fitness kind of person. So all my life I've been in sports. I would say the majority of my life was in lacrosse. So I've always had that uh, fitness um love so what i try to do after work i always try to work out um at least for 30 minutes so i'm always training for a race uh doing hit hit cardio doing crossfit whatever the case is that's what i like doing for fun uh it's very it's like a another outlet for me for sure it gives me a different uh, perspective and listen to podcasts during that um, and another thing is, as as you see on my Instagram stories, I've also gotten into a uh, side hustle. And that's just my entrepreneurship mind is um, having a dad that had his own business. Um, I've always thought about, you know, making money outside of work. And he does that till this day. He you know does a lot of different side gigs and stuff so that's just um something i do for fun um that i guess that side hustle what i like about it is that it's gotten me more confident for sure i never would have thought to be talking on instagram like that all the time uh marketing and just uh entrepreneurship and stuff so i feel like both fitness and that has really gotten me to be a better version of myself for sure uh so that's what i do for fun no, and that's that's really cool too because i think it's it's one of those things where i think a lot of people think okay well you got to work and like that's it but at the end of the day you have so much time outside of work you know mm -hmm. what you do with it is your choice like right it's it's super easy to hey you're tired from the end of the day just go home stay on your couch and watch netflix like that's and you know hey i i do that too sometimes too right mm -hmm. you know it's, no one's no one's going to be on 24 7 doing right. something right but um yeah that's I, I, you know i definitely paid attention to the stuff you have going on, on instagram with uh your, your side business and everything like that and i think it's really cool because you know everyone's got to find it, an interest and in, mm -hmm. uh, something that they like doing regardless of, of what it is but you know obviously if that interest can uh generate an extra income that's always a nice yeah. to have that's always a nice to have <laughs> yeah um you know uh, i think one of the one of the reasons i i kind of started this whole podcast too is you know kind of mm -hmm. similar reasons like hey like I also want to do something productive outside of work, and I think this is something that can help other people. And you know, uh, we get to have great people like you telling their stories and talking about mm -hmm. what they do and everything like that. So that's awesome that you're getting a chance to do that. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. That's what I, I like try to tell people is that whenever I started talking about the side hustle, they're like, "Oh, that's extra work." It's like that's not how I view it. I feel like with anything that you do, if you're passionate about it, it's not really work, right? So like that this podcast is obviously fun for you and it's fun for me like talking on this um and my side hustle is also fun it makes me smile and that's what matters at the end of the day so oh yeah no for sure it's like i've 
Uh, like you can be up late to like midnight watching like TV or stuff like that. Right. But like if I if, if I compare that to being up late to like doing something like this, like I'm gonna feel a lot better the next day about like well like I got this done and I really like that. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a difference for sure, right? But no, that that that's really cool. Though. I'm glad that you you know you, like you said you have that kind of outlet. Um, so uh, you know now we've kind of gone through you know who Gina is and where you grew up and all that stuff and your yeah. career and all that aspect. Uh, kind of the last last portion here I always try to cover is just you know um, obviously you're you're somebody I asked to be on here because I, I think you're somebody I respect and I think has a lot to, a lot of really great perspective to offer. Um, Thank you. It's just what I tell everybody, too. It's just what I tell... <laughs> no, no, but all seriousness, I do. I do, for sure. Uh, you know, could you kind of talk to us a little about maybe um, what's what's a really cool opportunity you've had in your career so far that's been unexpected to you? So it's kind of weird because uh, in quality, at least in my perspective, you're not... There's more bad than good, you know? You're usually called when there's a defect. Pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, so what I like about this rotation is that I'm exposed to so many higher management um, and I'm very oblivious to a lot of things like I don't really look at titles that much I just look at what people you know do and stuff so I remember one time uh, I had a big quality issue and it basically took a lot of downtime and stuff so I had to present about like what's the corrective actions and stuff like that months after and then um, I was going to a meeting, just regular Tuesday or something at 10 a.m. And then uh, I was talking to my co- coworker, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to meet with so-and-so. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, uh, what about it? You know, and he's like, Do you know, he's the manager of all the factories for research industries, right? I'm like, well, thanks for telling me that five minutes before I present, right? <laughs> yeah. No pressure. No right? Pressure. <laughs> No, but I mean, that's what I really like about opportunities like this is that they have such a high bar for us and respect for us um, at such a young age. And so whenever I went to that room, I didn't like I mean, I was a bit nervous, but at the same time, I'm like, this is no different than me presenting in front of my family or like my my classmates. Like, you know, I'm just trying to do my job. And I thought that was pretty cool to have that exposure um and I, even after and i felt like it was a kind of meeting a famous person i don't know <laughs> after, because after that um i thought he had forgotten who i was i just presented once yeah. and then he i saw him outside of ss and he's like hi gina i'm like wow that's crazy you know this guy recognizes me and that goes with all the factory managers that um, we've had two factory managers and they they knew who i was and i thought that was pretty good obviously i feel like not for good reasons i work in quality so (laughs) but i still think it's pretty cool that i've been able to have that exposure um and then aside from that because i feel like that's how we've gotten closer as shep i think the fact that we've been able to work with the caterpillar shep chapter um has been a really great experience for sure um i feel like a lot of people in companies probably are not able to like run things you know as a group or whatever i don't know how to explain it but um i was able to you know run the workshops with mitzi and that was pretty pretty fun for sure um meeting all the other students from the conference yeah and i i think both of those things are really cool things because uh, yeah, like I know, I know you're saying it's like, oh, you know, if they see you or they call you, and it's not because it's something good, good happened, obviously, right. quality. But like at the same time, you know, you're 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 the person they're here, they're trying to help solve a problem. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's definitely something to, to for other people listening. It's like, yeah, they call Gina because they want something to get done. You know, that's because right. it's, it's her fault necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really cool, yeah. Now that you had the opportunity to present to somebody at such a high level, right? Um, but yeah, no, and secondly, I think that that point about you know, um, but you know, both you and I and Mitzi and other people that are kind of young professionals have had the chance to help out pretty heavily with our uh, the ERG, the Caterpillar Latino Connections, and uh, specifically with you know our partnership with Shep and everything like that. And I think it's uh, yeah, no, I think you and Mitzi did a really great job at kind of planning stuff like. Uh, the workshops, you know, those workshops that you were talking about that you would go to to hear other people right. t- t- talk about stuff. Now that's you. It's so weird being on the other side. It's so it is. weird. No, no, it is. 
you you were that person at the booth now you were the person at the booth well it's weird because i like i feel i mean i feel like i'm so young you know i, I feel like i'm 18 i'm not that much older than them but they don't think that they they just i don't know are intimidated by me or something but they don't see that that i'm just yeah, like a yeah. few years older <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I like stop it real quick and people are like, oh, hello, sir, or hello, Mr. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, stop there, stop there. Braulio, Braulio, we're gonna go with Braulio, okay? Like, I appreciate it, but no, we're we're, we're, we're gonna keep it on a first name basis so I don't feel too old. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that, I, again, that's really cool. And, uh, you, you know, you guys uh, definitely, uh, both you and Mitzi, uh, the other person helping out with all this stuff, I think did a really good job at, at the convention this year. And, um, you know, it's there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into everything that everyone sees for those workshops right. and everything like that. So that's really cool. Um, you know, uh, kind of kind of moving forward though. So um, you know, what what else are some things that you think uh, you'd want young professionals or people about to start their career uh, that you would want them to know that maybe you learned along the way? Yeah, um, like for sure is that don't be afraid to follow. I would say the path that you intended for. Um, by no means, I thought I was going to be in the LTDP program in procurement. I never thought I was going to be working for working with suppliers. And just be okay with going outside of your comfort zone because you nev you'll never know um, who you'll meet, what experience you get. Um, I feel like typically people that study mechanical engineering, at least from my peers, go in straight into design. Um, I knew that I wanted to be, you know, in a in a team that I was more collaborative, more outspoken. So I, I took that opportunity. Um, and so I've gotten up the privilege to obviously meet Braulio and meet other other peers. So, I mean, that that for sure. Just don't be afraid to steer off the path and try something new. No, I, I think that's great advice because it's especially if you i think you go to like a bigger school like i've noticed some people do they you know everyone kind of works for the same companies typically or yeah they try to do the same kind of path but um you know i i, I don't i don't know exactly where, where other people that you you went to school with what they ended up doing but obviously you decided to kind of take the risk because at the end of the day there was a big unknown with where you could be living what you would be doing all this stuff uh, to take this opportunity and it you know it pays off you know anyone listening it's like Gina's getting a lot of valuable experience at a really young age, early on in her career, and um, regardless of whatever the next move is after the program for whatever role that might be or anything she wants to do after that, um, like it's pretty hard to, to get all this stuff so early on. Right. It's really valuable. So like the yeah, you know, no risk, no reward kind of thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool for sure. So last question I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. So, what is the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? Oh, I guess that's really hard. <laughs> um, this is so cheesy, but I say, like, do what makes you happy. And I think we've talked about this before, is that people are going to judge you no matter what, right? Best thing you can do is do stuff that makes you happy. So cheesy, I know, but, like... <laughs> I know like there's people that you know probably view the stuff that I, I post to be silly or something but I'm doing what makes me happy and that at the end of the day that's what matters um, when I was moving to Rochester people saw that as like a certain way and like I'm getting my degree I'm getting what I want in life and that might be uncommon for some people from the background that I came from but you know I'm doing something for myself so Choose to be happy. Choose to do what's best for you. It's okay to be selfish, you know, with some things, especially when it's making you, you know, sane and, and happy. No, I think that's that's great advice for sure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cliche, but it's, it's for sure still true. Like, it's one of those things where it's cliche for a reason, you know? Yeah. Uh, people say it because people are still doing the opposite of that. They're making choices based on what they think other people will be happy whether that's parents friends family mm -hmm. whatever the case may be at the end of the day you know if you're looking to with anything but in particular with your career like you're the one that's gonna have to live it you're the one that's gonna have to deal with the uh the repercussions of whatever your actions are both good and bad um so you know definitely anyone listening i think gina's a, a good example of somebody who wanted to do something they did it and they continue to do that and um 
I think that's that's definitely something everyone should take away from. But um, but before I let you go, anything yeah. else you want to add to you know this audience of mainly college students and young professionals? Um, I hope this quarantine time you're you know trying to be productive, but you know um, it will come to an end soon. So hopefully you guys are making the most out of it. I am. I'm trying to run, trying to watch, finish Ozark. If you watch Ozark on Netflix, <laughs> uh, yeah, just try to. We'll make it through together. So. So, so you actually, uh, you unintentionally, I think, continue the streak here, Gina, uh, of bringing up the global pandemic. I've not planned to talk about this in this podcast. I'm trying. I'm trying not to, but I mean, it's pretty inevitable. No. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is like I think now the sixth episode where someone mentions it without us talking about. It. Obviously, this will mm. this will tell you what range we're, we're recording this left. But again, if anyone is listening to this in the future, I look up global pandemic in 2020. <laughs> you you don't know anyone. You don't know when someone's hearing this. So. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, everyone, you know, make sure you're you know, staying safe, taking care of yourself. Be, and taking the uh, recommended precautions. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, Gina, really appreciate you taking the time today to kind of talk to us and share your story and tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of makes you tick here. I think definitely a lot of people are going to gain a lot of value from this. So I uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. No, well, uh, thanks again. And I hope everyone has a good day. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review to support us. Additionally, if you would like to get to know Gina more, connect with her, please see the show notes for her LinkedIn information. Thank you, and have a good day.